0: sales development continues to grow in importance as a critical component of a successful go-to-market strategy. And with the explosion of new tools, technology, and processes, the sales development industry itself is thriving, as seen with the growth of the 10bound sales development market map over at 10bound.com. On this podcast, we'll dive deep and go beyond sales development to think about the future of technology, processes, and tools in the industry. With our host, noted futurist, author, and sales development practitioner, Justin Michael. Welcome to Beyond Beyond Sales Development. Development. Tune in each week and be sure to hit subscribe, leave a comment, and turn on notifications to never miss an episode. And now, Beyond Beyond Sales Sales Development Development with your host, Justin Michael.
1: Welcome back to Beyond Sales Development. I am Justin Michael, your fearless host, doing my best, William Shatner blended with Hotel California living the life. I'm here with Nadir Mansoor from Great Insight, who's got some awesome insights into research and personalization. How are you, Nadir? All good, thank you, Justin, how are you? I'm doing well, just another day in paradise. So um, you came on my radar screen because you're building some tech to make it easier to do personalization at scale and research. Can you tell me kind of what got you started on that journey and why you're working on your mission now? Yeah, that's a great
2: question. So I used to, as an SDR for more than three years, go about trying to understand how to best reach a prospect, right? Because I always thought that value-based was always the way to go. But unfortunately, when you're dealing with a lot of volume and high sort of quotas and meetings on a given month, it it made it very difficult to educate myself around the, the companies sort of pain points and challenges. And as a result of that, I kind of circled back around megatrends or what we call megatrends, right? What impacts that specific industry or sector? The thing that I came to realize as I sort of evolved in my journey, working at an enterprise SaaS software company called DeGreed was educating myself around the company's pain points and needs by reading their 10K quarterly reports, earning calls. And ultimately what happened, that led me to become a, what I would call SDR thinking sort of individual, where I would actually reach out to these prospects with the intent of understanding more about what is it that they're trying to do and challenge those thoughts by asking open-ended questions. And ultimately that translated into a lot of success from the top line and the bottom line conversions that of booking quality meetings that will translate into quality opportunities that will ultimately translate into deal source, right? So that's really what stemmed the creation of great insight is because it was a process that was very hard to repeat because I got very smart after reading hundreds of annual reports of identifying what are the key actual pain points and and, and words to use to find the relevant information and to some extent, scale that up, even though it was not humanly possible to scale it beyond sort of approach. So I was more of a sniper effect kind of SDR. So as soon as I got somebody on the phone, which was my, my first and sort of preferred uh, medium, I know I booked them if they, booked, uh, if they if they sort of answered because I came in prepared. So my thought around it was, how do I create a repeatable process so that any SDR is able to actually think on his feet? and be able to reach out to these prospects with value as opposed to sort of those generic sort of mega trends or, or any of, of, of the other things that some SDRs use today. So that uh, really how uh, Great I SI came, came to be, really.
1: It's a great story. So what is the roadmap for where this tech can go? I mean, when I'm sitting in a platform and trying to write an email or a sequence, there's these little things called snippets that I can put in these sales engagement platforms. It would be great to pull in those automatically so the software can go out to social media or go in the 10K and 10Q and can serve up to me a buffet of insights and then I can just select them, slightly curate them in. Are you moving in that direction and is what in, what is making your work differentiated? That's that's a really good question. So when we did, I'd like
2: to say that we approached it using the um, From Impossible to Inevitable book from Aaron Ross, where he said you had to go to at least 20 VPs of sales, ask those questions before you build any kind of MVP to learn first. So lean startup in reverse kind of thing. And ultimately, what happened is we gauged up with some SDRs across the funnel. They were telling us, you know, it takes me 15 minutes to find a bite-sized content, and then it takes me another 20 minutes to write an email. So how do I actually get to do all of that? And that led to the creation on our side, via our integration with Outreach, for example, to offer bite-sized content that is in the form of snippets that is relevant so that when you identify a key, bite-sized content that is relevant to leverage in a given email, by clicking on that, you will then have access to what we call pre-built templates that will aggregate with that snippet that you found so that you are able to, as humanistically possible, reach out to that prospect in a way that shows that you've done the research and shows that you have been able to articulate in a manner that is less generic and more personalized. So that, that's really where the product is sitting at today. But the intent around our technology and the roadmap, or as Blue Ocean Strategy uh, puts it well, is our value innovation or end product is to ultimately be able to help with predicting forecasting and revenue. So ultimately, our ability with our machine learning to understand the key snippets that have been working for the business in terms of booking quality meetings that translated into opportunity, Tracking that is ultimately the technology that we're looking for as we help the SDRs to start a thing and leverage that, those insights that
1: we, that we portray and, and, and provide to those, to those teams and companies. That's fantastic. So you have been an SDR practitioner. What could you build if you could build anything? Let's say you had unlimited budget. Where would you go with this? And talk to me about the sales engagement system of the future, because it's always very, it's very strong. To understand someone who's like been in the arena as an SDR is building the tech, and is now going forward. I'm curious where you want to go with this. Like you're bootstrap for now. What's what's the plan? You you would
2: be surprised, right? I'm gonna surprise you. I'm I'm gonna go less with the actual technology initially, but more with educating the market around the need for business acumen. So there is this big question. I actually uh, was was talking about this in my my recent podcast with Mike Simmons, whom I had as an interview, and I asked him. I was like what does it take or how far are we for sales development to have a seat at the table? Because right now, be honest with you, everything is dictated by the uh, top down. And ultimately a lot of the people that have been on that top down approach haven't had the opportunity or the chance to be an SDR in the first hand. And I like to say that SDR is the first person to meet a prospect, right? And you need to ensure that there is a level of consistency throughout the transition for the buyer to see that there is a smooth And and sort of an experience that is of one that you can gain the trust and ensure that the customer or the buyer's experience is made at 100% effective. And that is today lacking. It is unfortunately lacking. You have SDRs that are reaching out in the generic form, then the handoff, you've seen a lot of complexity around the handoff, which means that. The AE is asking the same questions that probably the SDR was asking. And ultimately you have that fragmented buyer's experience journey and educating the market on the need for business acumen and an investment on business acumen, I think will make any technology as we progress more useful and more effective because today to look at a substitution of we're going to build more technology, but ignore the fact that these SDRs that are talented need... The business acumen. It really gets down to that. So my, if I had something today would be invest a lot in educating the market on the need for business acumen, uh, just to just to give you a point, case in point, there is a girl called Valerie Hamm. She used great insight. And ultimately what happened is, as I was giving her a demo, I showcased her how she would be able to understand the key pain points and the needs and where to look for that and how to leverage that on a cold call or in an email and of course, she was brilliant. She was a fast learner. She was able to actually execute on that with clarity and focus. And ultimately, what you have with that is somebody that creates meetings that deal, lead to opportunities created that add to the pipe and ultimately influence the bottom line, which is the deal source. That's how you get sort of a seat into the table. And so, my investment here is how do I create a technology that helps support that, right? How do I create a technology that helps support the bottom line? and the top line conversions and ultimately provide the actual information that these SDRs and AEs can leverage to accelerate that forward. So that
1: that's really how I'm thinking so far. We've had some great conversations. And I think this word acumen comes up, and Tony Hughes has said it, and people like Ian Arino have said it. It's really, it's business knowledge or the understanding of the customer's business where in the CEB corporate executive board research is the missing piece that seller didn't understand my business. And when you're writing personalized email and you're trying to open the door, the more you can peek in and really understand the vertical, right? The space they're in their competitors, their pain points, their challenges, their very relevant innovation or funding rounds, these trigger events. And there's been a lot of attempts to build this and surface it to outbound sales teams. And then it just kind of falls thud because then there's these spray and pray emails that go out or attempts to just use curly brackets and just have some random easy to personalize like high first name or, you know, one facet. How much personalization do you feel works versus what becomes creepy as Aaron Ross has warned us, right? Jeremy Donovan says it's about twenty percent. Aaron Ross talks about if it goes more than twenty percent, there are creepiness risks. But then there's like relevance, which doesn't need to be creepy personalization. It could just be so spot on, to the annual report or something they're putting out in Twitter. Hey, we're looking for the, we're looking for data scientists. Well, they have a big data science initiative. Walk me through those nuances because that's hard for reps right now in the field to nail. Some people are spending tons of time and lowering productivity, thinking they need to have hyper personalization. And it might be a relevance thing so yeah the big question I
2: think, I, think I think that's a great question by the way justin and uh, the way i formulated is in two ways right the first one and the reason i said we need to educate the market around the need for investment in business acumen is because it, imagine the sdr function as a as a as a stock valued in the stock exchange right ultimately right now you have it at a, at a certain sort of level that is pretty much a bit devalued, right? So if if, what I'm trying to say is that if we look at investing in business acumen, ultimately what we're we're investing in is the development of that stock to grow and to reach a a, a new height. And ultimately what happened is once you do that, you create an image for the sales development that is different, that is value-based. And ultimately what that will do is it will enable to gain back that trust from the buyers that right now, today, does not exist. Because like you said, you probably, I mean, you know yourself, you probably had, I don't know, 150 inboxes uh, this week alone. If I asked you like how many of those actually were value driven, you'd probably say one, two, 5%. That makes sure that that 95% speaks volume. And ultimately what happens is, It devalues all of the other 5%. So if you invest in business acumen across those 600,000 SDRs that will become 2 million and you ensure that at least 50% of them do drive value-based approach, what happens ultimately is you hike up the price of that stock and you make sure that every single buyer will listen to you carefully because they know that that's how value is driven, that they know you care about them. They know that you know their business. And I'll give you an example. I reached out to a CHRO, right? $12 billion company sits at the board. I called the guy three times, didn't pick up, send him a text message. What do you think I sent? I read the annual report. I listed every single thing that I thought was valuable from the CEO and the board's perspective because that's where it gets to. And ultimately I made it relevant to the fact of where we sit and how we've helped people within the same vertical. That was very personalized. That guy responded on a text the same day. same day. And I have stories that go way beyond just that. I mean, I'm I'm a cold call kind of guy that will go on a discovery off of a cold call. That's how confident the information that I gain and the value that I bring to the conversation that helps me gain that trust. So when you say, when you talk about creepy, the reason... Most likely, and I'm not speaking on behalf of Aaron Ross, but the reason Aaron Ross speaks of creepiness is ultimately how do you leverage that information? There are people that are leveraging that information with smooth, quality, soft skill approach where you're coming in with curiosity and intent to help. And others are there to show, well, I've done my homework. Now you need to book a meeting with me without actually giving a framework on why is this relevant, and why now? So it goes back to educating the market. It goes back into investing in business acumen whereby once you have that and you have technologies like great insight that come on board and help you have that information that you can leverage, then you'll start seeing results that are unheard and unseen before because ultimately what happens is on behalf of the buyer, I want to buy the best thing for me. And every company will tell you they will not talk to one or two. They'll talk to 15 to 20 to 50, no matter what it is, unless it's an RFP, which then they will, they will choose. But even then, they will still take meetings. So ultimately, what happens is you fall into that bracket of account sort of planning. And ultimately, it's up to you to find out information about the company. But it's also up to you to then go into those de- demos and discoveries to find out more right and the best way to do that is by earning the trust and the best way to earning the trust is by showcasing that you care you show empathy and interest into the company and curiosity and those are soft skills that are sort of uh, i'm being honest with you they're soft skills taken for granted but not not a lot of people actually apply and that's why i'm saying that there is a huge need of investment in building up the skills of sdrs as much as there is the need for those technologies
1: So you hit the nail on the head, this is called Beyond Sales Development, and you did something that you explained, which is you call very high up C-levels, and you feel confident because you have the intel and the personalization in the annual report. And then when they don't pick up, you text them. It's very bold. How did you become so fearless? I think people listening to this show, they want to learn the deployment of the tech, but how do you teach people to, to try whatsapp or to try you know some snail mail sendoso like how do you get them out of their comfort zone when you're treating them how did you make that jump because some of these mm. approaches are passive i'm worried if they don't like me you know the worst they could do is say stop texting me for sure i mean there's obviously some regulations around this stuff but tell me how you psych yourself up is it because you understand your personalization so well that you're mm. not worried about blowback it's culture
2: It's culture. It's living in that environment where cold call is number one. Because what happens is um, my first job was out of university. I, I was still at university. I needed money. So I worked for a gym called Tonic. I used to be an SDR on the field, stopping people in the streets, offering them opportunity to sign up and taking their phone number so that I could pass it on to the AE who could call them, get the meeting and then close, right? And ultimately what happens is you start to really understand the power of no. Right, you start getting used to the to the word no, and ultimately, when you get used to the word no so many times, you become numb. It's almost like expected, right? You know the no is coming, anyways. So then you kick on to the next stage, right? And that's where I joined a company called Passnap in the UK, and this is, I think, one of. The Greatest school for learning how to do cold call. I mean, it was the environment was a bit of a wolf, wolf of Wall Street kind of environment. If you didn't, if you, if you weren't able to actually get the phone and make the phone calls, you would not last a week. That's that's how you get. That's how you lasted at that job. And what we were doing is we were doing eighty phone calls a day, hundred phone calls a day, hundred twenty phone calls a day. We we're calling CEOs of SMEs to VPs of R and D at big, big companies. And ultimately, what happens is. You start to really gain experience by failing a lot, by having a lot of no's, and you start to learn from those. And ultimately what happens then is as you start to get a, a sort of numb to that word of no, you start to ask your question and become curious. Okay, now that I know the no is coming, how do I change that? How do I get across to some extent where I could change that no to a maybe. And then ultimately what happens is you start to learn from going from a maybe, how do I then go through objection handling to the point where I can turn this around? And ultimately it's that like stage process where you go by, but the only way you can do that is by training the SDRs on a day-to-day basis to make that cold call. To then actually put them in the field and say, you know what, yes, emails is important, videos is important, a cold call is number one. I, I, I mean, I'm biased on this, but I've seen the results firsthand. I, I say this with confidence. My actual conversions from sort of meetings to opportunities created, 96% from phone calls. 96%, right? And you cannot debate with that number. You cannot say or ignore that fact. And I, I'm ready to sort of debate with you to bring me video calls and all of the other things that have the same metric. Because with a phone call, you have three things. You first impressions last. Second, you introduce yourself and understand more about the prospect. Third, you, if you have the capabilities that I was lucky to have to conduct the discovery, you can even dig deeper and ensure that you've gained a step within that touch base, touch points to accelerate the, the opportunity. And ultimately, what you create is you create an environment where people can actually listen, trust, and value your proposition and show up for the meeting. When you go for a video, sort of vidyard, or you go for an email, as much as they are valuable, the problem is you still don't know what is it or why that person showed up. You have no idea. And ultimately what happens then is, am I really understanding my SCP as an SDR, right? Because that's the future for an SDR. You call it XDR. is, it's not just gonna be an SDR that picks up the phone and books a meeting. It's gonna be the SDR that picks up the phone books a meeting, Thus, the discovery throughout the cold call if they have that capability, ensures that they understand the ICP, what are the main problems, ensure that they can be cross-functional across marketing to learn about the marketing initiatives that are being taken, to learn about the customer success initiative, to learn about the product initiative, to learn about the AE's mindset and how they could approach that to work as a team in alignment, which is really critical and important. That's the future of an SDR. You cannot get there if there isn't a guideline on how to train those strs to get to that level i was lucky i was honestly lucky because i was raised in an environment where cold call was the culture But you have a lot of companies that don't have that as a culture and a lot of them are not even willing to sort of take the shot because they are comfortable with the statistics that they have that emails would do the job but then when you ask them what is your conversion rate from top line to bottom line from those meetings books on a on an email that's where you start to poke holes on on, on all of that
1: theory so that's that's really the i hope that i hope that answers your question yeah super helpful so tell, tell me about the future this is when i ask a lot of guests do you think sdrs will ever be replaced by ai or just augmented and why
2: i think the sdr there, there is this this metric i learned in economics microeconomics and uni called marginal rate of substitution so ultimately what happens is if you look at ai and sdr the marginal rate of substitution will, in my honest opinion, will always be three to one, four to one, but never one to one. And what that means is that a lot of the AI is really a great thing because it accelerates a lot of the processes, but you need that thinking process that an AI is very hard to to do, right? As an AI machine, to be able to think is going to be incredibly hard. And to be able to do that and leverage the information that you gather, and I think you mentioned this as well in one of our conversations in the past, and I agree 100%, is you will need an SDR to be able to leverage that information to drive that conversation forward. And the AI can do so much but there are other things that an ai cannot do and that one of them is thinking process how do i leverage this information how do i ensure that this information can be leveraged to the point where we can accelerate the pipe how do i communicate soft skills cannot be it just cannot be substituted with ai at least in the in the medium to short term so that's that's my sort of answer to that
1: talk to me about content now you've started to get into the content marketing game and how sellers have been really inspired to curate insight, but not necessarily write or put out blogs or podcasts. Is this going to shift and could technologies like yours be utilized to make those better, to understand what content they want you to write about or speak about, uh, you know, it's two separate questions. It's like, should sellers become these content marketing machines? How will they leverage AI to make that more relevant? Right. Cause you're putting all this content on LinkedIn and Twitter and the blogosphere. Is that actually making a sale you're taking away from doing cold calls? Can you do both or can you deploy some of your calls as your content, let the AI scrape that? I've seen all sorts of variations, but I want your personal opinion. I'm sure it's strong. And then where tech could play in.
2: I'll be honest with you. I'm more of a versatile sort of agile person in this, in this sense that I'm doing everything because I have to. But I think that in terms of alignment, which brings me back to that, to that concept is you need to have marketing to be in the same mindset as that of the sales. So I think marketing plays an incredible role in content. I, I think that sales, as much as there is a lot to be done, I think content is something for marketing because what happens is with marketing, there are a set of skills that a, that a salesperson may not hold that may be really relevant to, to content creation. The problem that you see today with content within the marketing field is that The relevancy, right? How relevant is that content? How relevant is it to me specifically? And because they are not very engaged with the sales process as much as the salespeople are, they're not able to have that insight and that information that the salesperson has, the leverage to then create that content. So then you have a, a marketer that is very skilled and has the ability to create great content that doesn't have the insights, and then you have a sales person that has the incredible insights to create great content that doesn't have the capabilities or the time to do that. So ultimately it's all about alignment and communication. How do you create a means to ensure that all of these functions are aligned? And I think that's where the piece of technology that will come in the future is how do we break that fragmented sort of communication and process amongst other functions within the same business? That's also a big question. I think a lot of technologies will come on board to try and break that, to try and fix that, right? To ensure that whatever the salesperson understands about the market and the specific customers and how can I communicate that in marketing to have the exact content needed, right? And I think you and Aaron Ross were, were speaking about this and sort of at least Aaron Ross in, in his book on from impossible to inevitable on creating content that is early stage, mid stage, late stage, that is relevant to those specific prospects that, and, I mean, again, it's it just, it, it's a, how do you create alignment between sales and marketing? I think is the, the golden rule and I'm, right now I'm marketing and, and sales. So that's why you see me creating uh, content as well as uh, sort of doing the sales side.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. So just to kind of close it out here, if you could build any technology to make sales easier, maybe you did it. What would that be? I think you, it would be, it would be a technology
2: that defines process in a way that is adaptable for everybody, so that you have a clear handoff, a clear data collection, a clear understanding of where this buyer is in his journey and how we can help them. So I think a, a, a technology that helps with the process and refine a seamless, engaging and personalized process for every opportunities and accounts that are being taken on, I think that will go a long, long way. In, in creating that more solid and, and sort of sustainable, predictable forecasting and revenue as we go forward. And clearly, great insight is one of those drivers that helps influence that, but is not the whole sort of equation for sure.
1: It's been awesome having you on the show and getting these practical tips and these how tos, which is really critical. Do you have a favorite quote or an inspirational book that drives you? I'd love to share that with the, uh, with the listeners. I mean, I'll be honest
2: with you. There's a lot of books and I'll tell you my favorite quote and my favorite book and hope that others will will be uh, lucky enough to sort of read them as well. Is My favorite quote is from Benjamin Franklin. Everybody's better than you at something and from them you learn. Uh, I love that because it's true. And I apply that every day. And my favorite book is, I have a lot, trust me, I read a lot of books, but Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. To me, Open Doors. The ability for me to go from talking to leaders, executives, C-suites, from that step to actually getting those to, those leaders to come back to me in a positive sort of format and actually give me the outcome that I wanted, I think I think he played a, a great, great role with that book, sharing those insights and, and schemes on how to approach a prospect and the ways you could actually communicate. I think that was Prices.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show today. Awesome insights. Thank Dear, everyone, how can they... F- find you on the internet your your site and your linkedin yeah so
2: the site is great insight gr8 insight.com anybody can sign up for free there is no credit card no sort of cash no nothing just use it and uh, all i look forward to is hearing that they were able to book meetings and they could just connect on me with linkedin nadir Mansur. yeah that's
1: it you got it thanks again nadir have a great one justin you too take care chief